You are listening to Label Deep Season 1, Episode 6, Lessons I've Learned from the People I've Hurt. This was recorded as a Facebook Live conversation and will be broken into two parts. Join us for our next Facebook Live conversation Thursday night, March 29th at 9.30 p.m. at facebook.com slash U-M-M-Z-A-K-I-Y-Y-A-H-P-A-G-E. Gardens beneath rivers flow And all I know is I love to grow Before I realized certain things, I was sincerely um, doing things. I was doing things out of what I understood to be sincerity, but things that hurt people that I cared about, you know, and for that, I am sorry. And um, and I think the one that's the closest to my heart um, is my daughter. (laughs) You know, we talk about it today and things have, you know, improved, but when I was in that mode of uh, books and classes, you know, I'm I'm taking my my faith from what I learned from a book. I'm taking my faith from what I learned from a teacher. So when they say stay away from doubtful, you know, I'm putting that on my daughter. You know, she wants to do something. I'm like, no, that's doubtful. You know, you know, <laughs> do something that I don't feel comfortable with that. She wants to dress in a different way. I mean, she's covered. She's wearing hijab, but. Uh, too much color, bias not wide enough, you know, loose pants. No, that's not good enough. You know, music, without music, because we didn't listen to music, you know, at that time. And then if it sounded like music, no, can't do that either. Um, and, you know, it was really stressful. And I, and at that time, I just thought I had a difficult daughter, you know, but it was mm. a difficult mother mm. causing a rift, you know, with me and my daughter, mm. because I'm coming home, and then instead of listening to her, I'm, you know, I already learned my lesson from from class of what you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be living your life, and and I'm not looking at the blessings that here's I have a daughter who believes in a lie, I have a daughter who's praying, I have a daughter who even cares about you know sticking and sticking to what's right, but I'm want I want to be careful, so she has to, so I have to put that on her, so right. you know. Going through that, you know, it really, <laughs> it, it really, um, it's hurt. It's, it's painful because you you have to look back, and I and I tell her now. I told her, look, you might have to go through a lot of healing, you know, after going through all that kind of stress, and you know, maybe in ways that you know you don't even understand right now because she's only, I think, uh, it's like twenty, going on twenty one. And so, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's. <laughs> so can, can, can I get like a, give me like a, uh, like a, an example of something where you feel like, okay, this is a scenario where you look back and you think I, I probably should have said this differently, but you know, and maybe it affected her, you know, give me an Well, example. I would say that it, Things like, let's say, for example, one of the things that sticks that sticks out to her was she had a different point of view on music, mm-hmm. you know, than I did. Mm-hmm. She didn't necessarily think it had to be as strict as I felt it was, mm-hmm. you know. And so if she was listening to something, even if it was something, you know, beneficial from a Muslim or something like that, you know, I would stop her, you know. And she, and, um, she said it just made her feel like she had to kind of keep what she believed from me. Mm. You know, and mm. 
And so she said, even when I when I began to change, she told me, "Look, I, I already I already left that stuff a long time." Ago. <laughs> 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 right, 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 right. So you know, so um, but I apologized, you know, right, right, to right, her, right. and I told her that you know it um, I didn't, you know, that I I was doing what I understood to be right, and also another thing was whenever she would tell me uh, something that hurt her. Mm-hmm. If if something had hurt her or someone had hurt her, I would ask her, "What did you do?" Yeah, you know, and yeah, and yeah. she was telling me the other day, like how that was really hard for her. Like she's hurting, yeah. But I'm telling her, focus on what you've done wrong, instead of listening to her pain. And and what I do now, when she tells me this, I just apologize, and that's why I say I apologize with no addendums attached, and I just tell her, I'm sorry about that, you know. I was going through my own confusion mm-hmm. and I thought that was the right thing to do. I thought that the right thing to do was, you know, what I had always learned, <laughs> right, right, meaning right. focus on yourself where, where there's a balance. Right. And now that that's happened when she comes to me and talks to me about that different period of, of, of her life and how it affected her and made her feel a certain way about certain parts of, um, the Muslim community, or even certain rulings in Islam, I can't say anything. I say you have to take your own own path, and um, mm-hmm. you know, to to understanding. And 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 I tell her, look, with that type of you know pain, you may go through a lot of um, healing that may appear to be hurtful to me. But I said you have to heal. I and I told her one day, I said, I told her, I give you permission to heal, even if it means that I hurt. Right. You know, and I said, I don't know what that means, but, (laughs) you know, that's what I do, you know, because I don't, I don't want her to be carrying my pain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, You know, and so for me, um, I had to learn that. And so that taught me like, I mean, because my instinct when it first, you know, when she's first telling me about things I've done, I'm like, girl, I'm your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, I'm no, I'm your mother, so and I'm right, and I'm, I'm right, right because you know? you know, and I got the experience and all that stuff. Yeah, you do it because you know, yeah. like we, like we're taught in the culture I come from, the African American culture. You say why? Because I said so. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 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 And and I did that. I yeah, did that because yeah. I said so. And yeah. um, mm. and yeah. that hurt. Yeah. Because there were times where she really and and she had a lot to say, you know, yeah, yeah. and yeah. you know anyone who's met her knows she has a lot to she say, has a lot to say. <laughs> and, and she thinks differently. She thinks very differently from the average person, right? Um, and a lot made her that way, you know what I mean, yeah. from the beginning, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, so that's and I learned that, and that in that way, I learned that you know I had to as I as I grew and I realized the mistakes I made, right? I had to just say I'm sorry and and leave it at that. I don't have to go over, I'm your mother and I have these rights and all this stuff. Right. I'm sorry. And that's the end of it. Right. And then mm-hmm. also, and that's how I learned that sincerity can hurt someone sometimes more than cruelty. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, when you're being cruel, you know that you're wrong. So yeah. you can come back and clean that up. Yeah. But yeah. when you're sincere and you're hurting people, there's no repentance. <laughs> and, and it's like you feel bad, but then you feel almost justified yeah. in some way. So your pride messes with you a little bit because you feel like, but I was trying Exactly. So I can see how the pride can get you a little bit more when you're sincere, but you still hurt somebody. Yes, because yeah. because it's it's like you you think you're right and you think you know better. Like when you're in that like in that zone, especially for those people who Allah has blessed to be able to study Quran, to right. study Islam, 
you really do begin to believe that you know something the world doesn't know. And it's not necessarily what feels like arrogance. It's just, it's just how you think. Right. And I do realize now that the culture of books and classes is actually very harmful. Yeah. Because yeah, there's yeah. a lot of pontificating and there's a lot of what ifs and there's yeah, a lot yeah. of answering questions that, the, that even the teachers and the scholars should not be answering because these are very intimate things in people's lives and things really should be left to the people who are in that particular situation to answer yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and to navigate that. And so I learned that. And I also learned that uh, with friends, I even like a couple of friends, I just talked to in the um, couple last couple of days, called mm. them. And I've said it over and over again. And I keep right. telling them, I call them periodically. I say, look, I'm sorry. And they're right, like, no, right. it's okay. Right. We were all in a zone. It was like, we were in this zone. Right. You know, we're, we're studying Islam. We're right. studying Quran. And you know, and, and no matter what group you're a part of, and a lot of people, when they hear the stories like this, they'll say, oh, that's the Wahhabis, or oh, that's right, the Sufis, right, right. or that's the Salafis. No, it was the everybody, yeah, honestly. Because yeah, yeah. I was around people who were a part of the Sawif, mm -hmm. the Sufi, uh, Salafi. Mm -hmm. um, even I met some Shia, and I'm sorry, it was everybody. Yeah. It was every, it yeah. was all of us. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, learning Islam, growing up, growing up Muslim, you know, that's the way, you know, you learn Islam. So if you didn't, before you experience trauma, it, like what I didn't realize, you know, and I can tell a little bit about my, my, my lesson I learned from being hurt is that I didn't realize it. I can, I'm going to speak a little bit um, forward than going backwards, mm. but I didn't realize that how much experience, you know, plays a factor in empathy, right? So, you know, when you're growing up and you don't have a whole lot of super bad things happen to you, mm -hmm. you think that you project that, you project resilience on other people. You mm -hmm. project your resilience, but you're not really resilient yet because you haven't gone through much. Yes. So, like, you know, I can recall, like, you know, in a marriage, you know, where, <clears throat> you know, my wife would come to me you know, in a prior marriage, right? And my wife would come to me sometimes with, with things from trauma, right? Um, that that happened, you know, um, well, I didn't know there were trauma because they weren't actually directly related to the trauma. Because if she came to me about things in her trauma, I, it was very easy for me to be understanding. But if she had a reaction that was based on a trigger, mm. you know what I'm saying? That was based on something that happened to her, Right. My my immediate response will be would automatically. Well, you need to pray more. You know what I'm saying. I wouldn't say it directly, but I feel that way, mm -hmm. and I know that that impatience showed itself. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, like I wasn't like directly trying to be because I wasn't. I, I definitely was never trying to be mean. Like you know, mm -hmm. but in my mind, I was like, I don't understand why. Like I, I could got I got impatient. I know that I got impatient, and I was just kind of like. You know, I don't understand why 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 this is so hard for her because it would seem like it was something that was easy, but it was easy for me because I hadn't gone through the pain she had been through. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't understand what triggers do at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that when you when you go through a trigger, sometimes reality that you see, you know, um, is different. So, you know, I made this post earlier today, you know, and I don't think a lot of people realize, you know, I'm talking about what happened in my life. Like I made this post basically saying that when you're seeing someone recover from pain as a result of another person's actions and resist the resist making a conversation about anything other than what they're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? And don't move it from, because what happens is I'm going to tell you what happens, especially with men who are problem solvers. We tend to go immediately to what are you going to do about it? 
right away. Mm. Right. And so if we hear something and, and I'm going to tell you, sometimes it hurts you as a man to see the one you love hurting. So and so but with the selfish part of it, what happens is it's selfish because you want to stop that feeling. It's like when you watch when you watch someone you love cry as a man or as you, 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 you try to do everything. Like if you got an infant baby, mm. you know what I'm saying? You got the daughter or anything to stop her from crying. But sometimes she just got to go through it. Right. And you got to just be patient and mm. bear it mm. and be patient with it as opposed to if I can't stop it, then there's something wrong. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And so the mistake made, when we can't solve the problem, then we're like, OK, well, it must be something you're doing. Yeah, I think it, and it happens on a subconscious level because I think yeah. I know I was doing that to my daughter. Right. You right, know, right, right, and, right. you know, it's it, I think that there's a part of us that thinks that we have the solution to everybody. Like we, what happens is that when you become spiritually aware. Yeah. It's so enlightening and fulfilling that you believe it solves everything. Right, right, right. And and so, you know, and I was thinking that there are just always these external actions that you could always do to solve things, Mm -hmm. whether it's a dua, whether it's a car. I didn't even know the meaning of looking inside yourself from an emotional perspective. Mm. I didn't I didn't even know what that meant. Mm. Because I was living my life like a robot. Right. You know, and I didn't know that's what I was doing. But, you know, I remember one of my friends saying to me one day, she said, I f- you, it's like you're walking around with this wall around you that nobody else can, can penetrate. Right, 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 right. And right. I had no idea what she was, um, she was talking about until right. I began to, to, to actually have my breakdown, which, it, which made me feel like I could not be Muslim anymore. I almost left Islam. Right. And then when I came back in the slow, painful process of healing, mm-hmm. you know, I... I began to see things and it's a, it's a really, this self-awareness when you realize not just how much you're hurting, but how many people you've hurt, Right. that's very painful and right. it's very difficult. And for me coming back from that, okay. I'm going to be honest and say that it was easier for me just to leave everything alone, leave the Muslim community, leave everything, not just because of the pain that they caused me, but the, the pain I caused myself. Because it's humiliating, right, 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 you know, right. to right. to get back up and have to face that you were wrong. Yeah. You know, to, yeah. to get back up and have to face that you were wrong and, and that it affected those you love. Right. You know, as a parent, as a mother, I was not in the mode of... Telling my daughter she's right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I mean, I hope that I wasn't overbearing. I don't, I don't even want to get into that. Right, 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 <laughs> That's right. her story to right, tell. Right. But to come to the point to realize I hurt the the, the one person who, who means the most to me in my yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to the point where she had to shut me out mm-hmm. in order to cope and to live and to live her life. And she was saying her prayers. She was reading Quran. And, and I remember, mashallah, I remember I would wake up when she was in hip school yeah. and just hear her reciting. And it was such a beautiful thing to me. Right. But at this time, I'm learned today when she's talking to me that she she decided she did not believe that all music was haram. Right. You know, as I had during that time. And, mm-hmm. and she had been exposed to different views that I will later be exposed to <laughs> <laughs> after close to 40 years old. Right, right, right. And right. she had decided that this is what right. she believed. And so she just said, I just waited till you weren't around. <laughs> and I did what I had to do. She said, and that's, 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 and that's she something. Said, yeah, she yeah. said, she named some of her friends. She said, yeah. we were just like, whatever. <laughs> 
you know. <laughs> yeah, that's some, that's something else because you know I can I can tell you what I, I can I experienced some of that as growing up too. You know, with my I would say that with my parents where I, I had to shut down. So that's a, I know how that goes. But you know, like I said, to do it in marriage, like it's very you know it's like you know sometimes you just repeat what you learned as well. You know what I mean? Um, Yusuf Chaudhry, I want to I want to address what he said. He said uh, it's painful to even think about the past pain. Do you think ignoring it would help? No, no, no. You know what happens when you ignore it? It comes back to bite you when you least expect it at the time. That you, if you know that there's pain and you know it's there, find a way to dig it out. Find a way to counsel with someone. Get it. Deal with. You know, it's this, it's this quote that my friend, Brother Ali, said once. He said, you got to deal with the demons before they deal with you. Yeah. You know, because they will come back and they will come back at the most inopportune times and you won't even know how to control yourself. And you can talk to talk a little bit about that with your almost left. Yeah, story. I mean, the bottom line is I was suppressing. OK, yeah. and I was ignoring and I thought I was being positive. To be clear, I wasn't consciously suppressing pain. Right. I was like, if someone made me mad, oh, no, mashallah, let me think well of them. Let me right. make excuses for them. Right. If I felt anger, anger is haram. You know, she, anger's from shaitan. I right. was very one-dimensional from right, base because right, right. you right, learn right. this. Like the Prophet said, don't get angry. Right, we didn't right. learn anything else. Like right. there are different types of anger. There's healthy anger. There's unhealthy anger. And there's he was talking about the anger that harms yourself or, and others. Mm -hmm. You know, and I didn't know about all that. And so I actually, what happened to me is that I don't, I can't talk about anybody else's life, but what happened to me how I began my healing journey was there were two things that happened kind of simultaneously. Mm -hmm. One was I was, uh, I felt like I couldn't be Muslim anymore. Mm -hmm. And two, I became very sick. I was working at a, a, a pretty good job, um, Johns Hopkins Hospital. I, it was, I was doing well. And some days I would wake up, I could not walk. Uh, my vision would go. Mm, yeah. Um, and I was trying to fast because I was, you know, still like trying to work with some of my spiritual things. You know, I tried to fast some days because Ramadan was coming up and I didn't want to, you know, be unprepared. So then I got sick for three days. I couldn't couldn't um, move. Mm -hmm. Then I felt like at a certain point I reached a point where I felt like uh, taking my own life. You know, it was I got mm. so, so depressed and I realized that began a journey of what is going on with me. Right. And what I realized is that, you know, I was taught things to overlook things, to look at everything in a positive, positive way, always forgive. And I was never, ever given the opportunity to be me. I was never given mm -hmm. the opportunity to be myself, even to myself. So the the big the one person who I hurt the most was myself. Right, right, right. I hurt myself the most. Right. Um, and and of course that means I hurt those around me. Mm -hmm. without necessarily intending to. Mm -hmm. So for me, it actually affected my physical health. Until mm -hmm. today, I'm still affected by that. Yeah. So that suppression, it doesn't leave. Like mm -hmm. your body, and I talk about this in my book, uh, Reverencing the Wounds That Broke You. Yeah. The, the body, the mind, the heart, the, the spirit, soul, it's all connected. Right. And you're going to eventually, if you try to suppress that pain, it's going to come back. 
and you're going to get reminders. Right. And sometimes from the people you love, whether it's your, your husband, your wife, your children. And if you want to live in denial, then that means that you have to keep building up defenses mm-hmm. and keep harming other people. Yeah. And that's how it works. When you've made mistakes in the past that have harmed other people and you don't want to face it mm-hmm. because you want to pull rank as a husband, mm-hmm. you want to pull rank as a father, you want to pull rank as... I'm your wife, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm your mother. Mm-hmm. You can pull rank all you want, but at the end of the day, you're causing pain to yourself and others. And there reaches a point where other people may not be able to deal with you anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, there can reach a point in a marriage where a person has to get a divorce. Right. There can reach a point where the pain of um, the emotional pain between a mother and child or a father and child becomes so intense that that person cannot be in their presence for their own physical safety. And yeah. I'm not even talking about just abuse. Yeah. I'm talking about the triggers become so much yeah. that they physically cannot function. If you are not dealing with your pain and if you're not actually being honest. Mm-hmm with yourself, then it's going to come back to hunt you. And if you keep on ignoring it, you know, you're not just going to hurt yourself as you're already doing, you're going to hurt others. And in order to live a lie, we have to keep, you know, one of the things you notice about doing a sin, Mm -hmm. whenever you want to cover it up, like if it becomes exposed in a way that it affects other people. And it's, for example, if someone steals something and then someone realizes it's missing, and then you have to lie to say, oh, I was doing X, Y, and Z. You know, I, I I took that because I needed to go to my class. And then you have to make up a class. Then you have to make up another thing. So what, what I'm saying is that when, and we see this in movies a lot, when someone murders someone, then they have to kill, you know, then they have to cover up with another thing. They that's have right. to cover with another thing. And that's what we're doing when we're not dealing with our pain. Right. You have to keep covering it up and it, eventually you're going to actually have to cover it up so much that it's hidden from you. And you actually begin to believe that the people around you are just really annoying. Right. Right. And, you know, for me, and I and I think that for you, I think your case, what made your case, I think your case is, is a case that a lot of people should look at because what happens is a lot of people read through the 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 literature that you put, a lot puts you through a lot of extreme circumstances mm. so that you had to come to a point, like literally your body wouldn't allow you yes. to continue on with the, with the suppression. Mm. What happens with most people is that it comes in a more slow drip. So you have suppression, but then you have good moments and you have some love around you and that type of thing. So what mm. happens is it's a lot harder to detect when you're hurting other people because you're suppressing, but not so much that it, it almost kills you or it forces you to the brink of, of, of spiritual or physical death. Mm. But it puts you in a, in a middle state of, okay, you have these little microaggressions that you're doing against people. So like for a lot of people, for example, if they are being abused by their husband, right? They're really, really submissive to their husband. But they're really, really harsh to their children. You see what mm. I'm saying? And so that's how they, you know what I'm saying? Because like say if the husband isn't so bad that that, like for example, if it's emotional abuse, but he but then he comes back and he gives her love and it's emotional abuse, right? It's not so much that she leaves, but in order to cope, somebody's got to get the brunt of that, of that pain. Mm. And oftentimes it's another human being. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, it's it's like when you even study history, like, for example, even like American history, when you look at how, like, the people who came here to this country, they were abused. Literally, they were they were discriminated against for their religious beliefs. Right. And then they committed the worst atrocities 
you know, yeah. one of the worst atrocities in the history of mankind yeah. was slavery. Mm-hmm. So the cycle is 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 there. Like you, like the bottom line is when you go through pain, and this is really to come full circle with the with the question, Yusuf. If you know you went through pain, then it's good for you to try to to open that up before you, while you're healthy enough to still see it objectively. Exactly. Because if you go past that, you know what I'm saying, then you'll do harm, and you won't even see it. Yeah, and and um, exactly, and, yeah. and 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 Radhi is asking something connected to that. She's mm-hmm. saying like, if you're suppressing your pain, right, and then you're you're having a hard time articulating and expressing yourself, mm-hmm. and then people are saying hurtful words mm-hmm. to you around you, and you don't know how to make them stop. Like, what do you do? You know, I will say, I will say this. One of the things that's emotional pain when we're not dealing with our emotional pain. This is something. There's something. There was a reflection that I wrote in my journal. That physical pain has has the the result has the effect of making even um, a hug painful. Like like when I mean, you're in physical pain, if you're suffering physically, if you even get a hug, that's painful. Okay. So the same is the same happens with emotional pain. So. When you're in emotional pain, no matter what someone is saying to you and stuff like that, it's actually going to be painful to you. So I'm saying that to say, I'm not saying that the hurt words are not hurtful. I'm saying we have to go in order here. Okay. Because you can be in emotional pain and someone can say to you, I love you. Okay. Someone can say to you, I love you. And you, you think they're trying to be funny, you know, and you get hurt by that. So I would say the first thing to deal with when you're suppressing is to get in the point of healing. And one of the things I tell, what I tell people when I'm giving, you know, just when I'm doing uh, sharing from my, my life and also, um, okay. Also encouraging people to do the same. I'm sorry, encouraging people from the lessons that I've learned is that you have got to start the healing process and protect yourself from certain environments that are hurtful. You don't always have to understand why you have to stay away from a certain environment or certain people. But if you are suppressing your pain, you will become a very, very unpleasant person, you know, and and I'm speaking from my own experience too. And what will end up happening as a natural result is that you're going to need to control everyone around you. Okay. People who, who suppress their pain for a long time, they become abusers. Okay. They, they become people who harm others, even though, for example, they don't necessarily intend to. But like, for example, when you find families, which is what we're going to be talking about in the next podcast, when we're talking about reverencing the wounds that broke you, you know, when a, when, a, when a person, no matter whether it's a parent or a friend or a spouse, is not dealing with their pain, the instinct is to control the words and, and the behavior of those around you. Now, there's a balance to that. When, when a person is invested in you like a spouse... They have a certain level of responsibility that other people don't have. So you can tell them certain words hurt you right now or you need some space. But I'm going to tell you, if you're not dealing with your pain, it doesn't matter how much space you you get. It'll never be enough because the problem's internal. Okay. And so what happens as a result, we have like what in many cultures, we have what I call normalized extremism in controlling others. Okay. So there are certain cultures, and especially in the East, that have no problem with a man controlling the thoughts and the, the behavior and the life of the woman, okay? 
And that's considered normal. This man may not be dealing with his pain. He may, may have been abused or hurt as a child, and he's never dealt with that. So he's taking that out on his, his children, especially his wife, and it's controlling her. And every time he feels hurt or jealousy or frustration, he thinks it's his wife's fault. So he tries to get her to stop doing that. And he tells her to change her clothes, to change her, get offline, don't, don't study for school. And he's not dealing with himself. And women do the same thing. When we as women have not dealt with our pain, the, our husband is not listening. Our husband is not there. He's not there for us. Now, I'm not saying that this can't happen in real life, okay? That this can, this may, this may not be happening. But what I'm talking about is in the mind and the life of a suppressed person who suppressed their pain, is not dealing with their pain, everything is someone else's problem. So when we're faced with an issue, we immediately go to control mode. Like the man he goes to, I got my wife has to to stay home. She can't answer the phone. She can't go to school. She can't do this. And a woman, many women in in the Western culture, for example, check his phone, check his emails, make sure. Let's see what is he doing. I bet he's 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 talking to other women. Check his 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 Facebook account. And then if you're tested, like for example, like with um. With Muslims, like if a if a she uh, a wife finds out her husband is interested in marrying another woman, even if it didn't come to fruition, she goes crazy. But it's a it's a socially acceptable insanity. Yeah. Because, and what I, I'm not talking about emotional hurt, by the way, I'm talking about control. So you begin to threaten. If you do this, I'm going to take the kids. If you do this, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to make your life hell. I'm going to do this. And this is this is a result of not dealing with ourselves. And depending on the culture we come from, like people who come from Eastern cultures, a lot of times you'll find like there's the idea that the man is justified in controlling. So he doesn't really have a self-check system in his culture. And in the in the Western culture, because there's been a lot of you know things about women and getting empowerment, we don't have a lot of self-check when we're married to good men and we're actually becoming abusive or toxic and controlling. And instead of dealing with ourselves, and one of the things that I learned from my my own pain and the, the pain that I've caused other, others is you cannot control another human being and you should not even try. Okay. And that means that you risk that relationship. First of all, remember this, it's already at risk. You don't control it anyway. <laughs> they could die. They can walk out. They could just be done with you for yep. no reason. So it's already there. The only thing that, that healing brings to light is truth. That was already there. So, but right. what, what you, what you, we begin to do is we try to control other people because in the mind of a person who's in emotional pain, my husband defines my happiness. My children define my happiness. So my child has to be a doctor. My child has to dress like this. My child has to walk around like if I'm a practicing Muslim, my daughter has to wear hijab. My son has to have a beard. They have to be in Quran school because it defines me. Right. But when you begin to heal, you understand that only you and your relationship with your soul and your creator defines you. Right. Your husband doesn't define you. For a man, your wife doesn't define you. Those are separate human beings. And when you are in the con constant uh, suppression, suppression mode without healing, there is no other result except harming yourself and others. And you will think that you're completely rational. Like a man who comes from the mentality he can control his wife, he thinks he's completely rational and justified nitpicking and everything. 
And a woman who feels like, you know, she has to protect her, her marriage because she, and she, because she hasn't healed from the things she's gone through, she doesn't see that as something that she has to deal with in herself and respect this husband as a separate human being. She has to control him, threaten him, threaten the divorce, threaten taking the kids away. Men do the same, threaten divorce. They'll threaten polygamy. You know, they'll use these certain things. And then women will use the opposite. You know, I threaten divorce, take the kids. If you do polygamy, I'm going to divorce you. But all of these things are results of us not dealing with ourselves. That doesn't mean that, you know, certain things that we can deal with in this, and, and be very clear when I'm talking about these things, I'm talking about how you handle emotional pain. I'm not talking about that there are, Everybody has to accept divorce and I mean, or everybody is, is going to be okay with divorce and polygamy. The point is, is that you can't control another person. And when, when you begin to come into understanding of healing, you accept that even your child is, is you can't control. And some people have seen this all the way to the ultimate and that child is no longer Muslim and they still have to maintain a certain relationship with them. Or some people are like, forget it, you know, and many of us come from backgrounds where we don't have a choice. We are the property of our parents. <laughs> we are the property of our husband or our wife. And the society that we live in teaches us that a good person serves their parents without question, serves their husband without question, and even serves and pleases his wife without question. You know, but if you, and I'm saying that's a long answer to say that the bottom line is until you deal with your pain, you're not going to be able to make sense of anything around you. And I think it's necessary then to know that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already told us that we were, you know, that he um, put us in a place where we're going to deal with turmoil and struggle. Mm -hmm. So automatically, if you're an adult, you should expect that you have some pain that you have to deal with. If you don't expect, if you don't see that or don't expect that, then understand that you're probably not dealing with yourself in the right way. And we live in a, a country and an environment where... um they implant your dreams into you through media and that type of thing. So more than ever today, I believe that we are farther from knowing ourselves because of all of the external media and other things that influence us that directly play on our subconscious um, and directly are aimed at literally replacing our thoughts with theirs. You know, so that's how, for example, hot button topics that are in the news media, automatically everyone sees them as more important in their life than maybe even their own struggles. You know what I'm saying? So every time something new comes on, you'll notice that for for pe that people automatically jump to that particular topic as if that topic is actually affecting their lives more. When actually a lot of times it's an escape, you know, from actually what's going on with yeah. within their particular uh, situation. So it's important, you know, to know, you know, I, I would say you should, no matter who you are, if you have, most of us tend to have someone, if we don't have someone, try to figure out a way to counsel with someone who you can trust mm -hmm. to ask them sometimes, like, you know, what do you see? What do you see? Now, hopefully that, that is a spouse. Hopefully that is a mother or a father. Hopefully that is someone. But, you know, every once in a while you're in a situation in life where it is nobody. You know, there's nobody. And of course, you have now there's nobody, but you have a loss of an Allah. So if you're looking at this from a standpoint of when you're looking at it from a standpoint of I'm a flawed human being, you know, I don't do deal with things right. And you go and you ask Allah and do I and you read his words to see what Allah says is right. And you analyze yourself based on that criterion. You can go a long way even yourself. 
you know, but, you know, what happens is, and I think you can speak to this a little bit, this society and even even East and West, they try to tell us that we can distance ourselves from um, from the ability to hurt other people. (laughs) I would never do that. I could never do that. Oh, my God. I'm a nice person. People see me a certain oh way. Or, and because some no one has ever checked us, we think we're incapable of certain things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's actually a, a result of trauma, too. You know, because we actually have like, you know, they talk about transgenerational pain and trauma. Mm-hmm. We also have transcultural pain and trauma. That's passed on in our own cultures and in, in our families and, and in the societies in which we live. And that and actually directly deals with your question, Yusuf um, Chowdhury, where you're saying that. So basically, we have to go through pain, feel it from time to time and never suppress it. But wouldn't that turn the pain into something numb? No. Suppressing it turns it into something numb. Because one of, one of the things that this culture is teaching us, we, here's the reality of life. You will not be able to experience the the beautiful pleasure and happiness of life until you experience the pain. Right. Okay. And I don't mean, oh, part one of your life is pain and part two is pleasure. It's they're two parts of one. They come together. Okay. This world is in pairs. Allah tells us this in the Quran, and we need to pay very close attention to that. He's created us in pairs. He's created think this the creation in pairs. Okay. And some people just think that means. Oh, I walk off into the sunset with my husband or wife. No, this is also talking about plants and all of these things, pain, pleasure. This is a part of life. So when I'm talking about suppressing pain, remember this, when you suppress pain, that the pain becomes numb to you, but it affects everything around you because it's not completely gone. When you feel the pain, you're freed from the pain. The pain no longer controls you. And remember, feeling the pain is is not, the goal is not to, to never have pain again. The goal is to live an authentic life. And I'll be, inshallah, hopefully in the future going to, you know, doing some online courses and different things where I go into these topics in more detail. But just for the purpose of this particular video, the, what the goal is, is authenticity and to live from your center from an authentic part of your soul and your heart. And when you begin to believe like these things where I could never hurt anybody, I would never do those things. You become the most dangerous and and, and mm-hmm. toxic person alive. And your ability to abuse increases. For mm-hmm. me today, I have a line for me in all of my relationships, whether it's business, whether it's friendships, marriage, whatever. When a person truly, truly believes that they are incapable of certain behaviors or certain evils, I can't deal with them anymore. That's that's it. I'm done. When you believe you cannot, and this is why we're able to uh, do certain things, like why friends are able to hurt each other so much, why spouses are able to hurt people so much, why parents are able to hurt why each we can, other so Why much. we can celebrate well, we can celebrate um, people who have literally bombed and killed people and act like it doesn't exist. You know what I'm saying? Like, how? You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And 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 and, 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 and to speak to the, to that point too. Remember that suppression. Understand the difference between suppression and being patient with your with yourself. You see, and this is the balance that I believe the beautiful balance of Islam. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our messenger enjoins patience, right? So 
you know, sometimes people think, you know, sometimes people go to the opposite extreme. Well, okay, I'm not going to suppress. So everybody's going to feel the brunt of my pain. I got to tell everybody every time that I'm in pain and I got to, that's to the other extreme because you also have to have patience. And so it starts with acknowledging, you know, the path and the quest to acknowledge your pain is a self reflection thing. And you're getting people to help you self reflect. And sometimes, you know, not suppressing means you have to tell somebody about themselves to stop you from hurting them. Mm -hmm. But there's also a thing where, and I would even say your failsafe, your default is sabr. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what stops you from being an oppressor in another way when you're like, okay, I'm not going to suppress anymore. Is that, is that my first failsafe is, can I, do I have the ability to be patient in this situation? And you're constantly having to assess that. And remember, this faith thing, this growing tawakal thing in life, it's a constant check and balance. You, you, you're never really safe and secure. You have to, it's all, it's about actually management. It's not actually about, and if anyone knows, if anybody's ever been in a management position in a job, you know that your best employees are not going to be perfect. You see what I'm saying? And so what you do is you say, okay, I got to put myself in a position where I get more good than bad out of this situation and I can manage when it's bad, but it's the same with yourself. Like you have to be constantly assessing your situation such that I'm trying to be in a situation where I know there's going to be some things that are, you know, that, that, that are not going to be perfect for me and I'm not going to be able to address them all the time. And that's where the suburb comes in. But when it gets to the point where I'm going and I'm in constant pain, I got to do, I've got to make a different decision, whether that's hijra, whether that's confront confrontation. And that really depends on the situation. Yeah, and I and I think the important thing is is that you have to be soul centered. Right. This is what healing is about. Right, I mean, right, right. I know it sounds kind of mysterious or kind of <laughs> allegorical or whatever, but you have to be soul centered. You cannot be invested in the outcome of other people's behavior, and that's what I'm saying. When you're suppressing, when you're not dealing with yourself, you are unhealthily invested in other people's behavior. Mm. Like, for example, if I get a lot of pleasure and, and fulfillment from my from having a, a close relationship with my husband, I go if I'm not dealing with my pain, I go into panic mode and I need to make sure I keep him. So I have to figure out all these ways to make sure he never leaves me. Right. That's that means that you are in an unhealthy state at that time. Because soul-centered healing doesn't mean you're not going to have these feelings. It means that when they come, you know what to do with them, okay? You, you actually know, okay, I'm in that mode again. I'm in, the, I'm in the wound mode. This is the wound talking. This is an emotional wound talking. This is not me talking. When you go into, oh my God, you know, my wife might leave me, so let me stop her from going to school. Oh my God, if she gets a this many degrees, she's not going to need me anymore. That's unhealthy wounds talking. You need to deal with yourself. And the best place to start is to be vulnerable in front of your Lord. Yeah. You know, start with your Lord. People say, start with yourself. You can't start with yourself until you start with your Lord who created yourself. That's right. Okay. So be vulnerable in front of your Lord. Spend time in sajda. Get up at night and pray. Even if it's once a week, pray in that last third of the night. It will open up a vulnerability to you. That's right. Cry to your Lord. Speak to him in sajda. Ask him to heal you, okay? Because if you are in this mode, and, and I don't care what culture you come from, but we are like uh, mostly, I'll put it like this, the East and the West mm -hmm. are the same in the contro controlling their children. 
Yeah. They have different culture expressions, mm-hmm. but we have this thing of the parent, the children owe the parents so much and all of that. But the East and the West are different in terms of the husband and wife. The husband gets to control things in the East and the what the good in the good marriage, the husband controls everything in the East and the wife just listens. In the West, the husband doesn't really exist except to fulfill the needs of his wife. And and, and then that means he's a good man. He doesn't have any desires except what his wife wants, and he's a good man. These are unhealthy cultural um, things that are being passed on. Because in a healthy individual, you are willing to sacrifice human relationships for a peaceful soul and a peaceful heart. You don't want to do it. But the irony is, is when you work on yourself, when you're honest with yourself, you actually get more meaningful, lasting um, relationships, and you don't have to live in panic. Okay, because you will begin to to connect with people who also think the same and you don't need to control people and threaten people. And and I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to do this to you. If you do this, I'm going to do this to you if you do that. And one of the things I used to tell women is don't play with divorce because I know women, men and women do this. But I know women do this a lot. I say, don't play with that. Yeah. You know, because one day. That like the 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 it's like an abuse, mm-hmm. just like it's abusive when a husband does it. It's abusive when a wife does it. Right. You know, if you keep doing that, it's just like, for example, for those people who have come from toxic friendships, or those people who have come from toxic uh, relationships. When someone keeps threatening you, mm-hmm. okay, when someone keeps threatening you, you get to a point where you're just like, forget about it. Mm-hmm. I don't care anymore. And so that's why I'm saying when we're we're in pain. Okay. And this is something, like I said, that I learned myself Mm -hmm. because what happened with me, because of my pain, I took it out on my daughter and I didn't know I was doing it. So I tried to control my daughter, you know, and I didn't know. And this is where I'm talking about when I was talking about suppression results and numbness, when you're not dealing with that, 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 that pain, you end up trying to control everything around you. So if you want to know, like, for example, people who have suppressed their pain, they don't necessarily know they've suppressed their pain. Keep this in mind. That's right. Okay. The people who who know that they've been suppressing pain, if you're at the point where you know you're suppressing pain, save yourself yeah, right now. Yeah, you're ahead. Okay. You're ahead. Those people who are suppressing pain, a lot of them think they're fine. They think mm. they're being positive. Like, for example, a sign that you're suppressing pain is the need to control other people in a, in a very unhealthy way. Okay, you need to control your husband, you need to control your wife, you need to control your children. And you really feel that what your husband does or what your wife does or what your children does threatens you. Right. Like when you feel like there's a real threat to you somehow based upon the normal choices of another human being, you are not dealing with something inside of yourself. Right. Okay. You're not dealing with something inside of yourself. And and also People who have suppressed pain also tend to live in extremes. There are good people and there are bad people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whereas people who are dealing with their pain, there's good behavior and there's bad behavior. And when you leave it to God to decide who's good or bad, that's not your job. So you're constantly self-checking. You understand that you can harm somebody unintentionally. You can say something that's abusive without necessarily being an abuser. You yeah. need to stop yourself. Right. Okay, you can use emotional manipulation. And one of the things that's very common for people who, who have suppressed pain and who are accustomed to controlling others is emotional manipulation is the norm for them. Okay, and, and you may not think of it like that, but that's what it is. You need other people to do things to make you feel better. And if they don't, you make them feel bad about it. And you may think, oh, this is what good friends do. This is what a good husband does. This is what a good wife does. 
But when someone says no, or they can't handle something and you begin to talk about yourself, okay, then you are in an unhealthy space. So keep in mind that just because you don't feel the pain doesn't mean it's, it's not there. And if, if you have lived your life being hundred percent positive about everything, never dealing with anything that you've gone through in your life, be very careful, you know, um, because I know for me, when I talk about the lessons of those I've hurt, most of my, the pain that I caused others was in my state of positivity and sincerity. You know, it wasn't bitterness. It wasn't cruelty. Um, it was actually coming from a place where I thought I was doing the right thing. I learned something in a class. I tell it to my daughter. If she doesn't do it, she's a bad Muslim. And that, and that goes to uh, the next part that I want to talk about. And that's the books and classes can't teach you faith. And, you know, I, I um, you know, you make the statement books and classes can't teach you faith. And it makes me think of uh, even uh, like the juxtaposition between books and classes and the human relationship. Mm -hmm. And for example, we know that, you know, the prophet Muhammad, the famous hadith about marriage is half the faith, half the faith, right? Half mm -hmm. the faith. So one of the things that I have noticed, and this is a both an East and West phenomenon that's an issue, is that we think that we can measure and we can get it right when it comes to the nuance of human relationships by simply making statistics or we can be always right about what someone, what's going on in someone's heart. And what's so profound, I believe, about that marriage is half the faith uh, statement is that we know faith to have a, a large part of believing in the unseen and then kind of going on a path where we don't know what's going to happen next and understanding that we're not going to don't know what's going to ha happen next, but it grows us. And so we have kind of this path and we have these parameters where we don't, these boundaries where we don't go past. But then there's this space in between where we literally have to live in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way that we can actually do it healthily. And that means that sometimes, some days you're going to feel bad and some days you're going to feel good, just like what happens with faith. And what's happened is, for example, is like, for example, um, you know, Colonialism was justified because of empirical data. Basically, we measured that these people are savages in this way and we need to help them. And a lot of these people really actually think that they're doing people a favor because they have they have done the research and they know what's right and what's wrong. And it's the same with books and classes, even with Islam in a different way, in that the books and classes are kind of like this happened at this time, at this juncture. So now everyone is going to feel the same way. Yeah. I, I would, yeah. Yeah. And I, so, and, and so what I'm saying is, is that this actually, what books and classes do if we're not careful is it takes the believing in the unseen part away. It actually fades that part away and it makes us believe that we can have an answer for everything. And that is the beginning of the, of, of actually abuse. When we believe that we can have the answer for everything that everyone's going through, it's actually the beginning, the start of yeah. abuse because we don't. And we even know our early scholars to to be known to have to always say, I don't know, to say, I don't know when they didn't know. Yes. And so speak about um, the whole books and classes can't teach you faith and how like, for example, and I want, and, and the last point I want to make is it makes me think of a concept that I've been thinking about a lot with just how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised the Sahaba. And we talked about this before where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala literally says, and I was reading this ayah the other day where Allah says, they asked, why didn't you reveal the Quran all at once? And he said he re revealed it in stages, you know, for a purpose. And then 
Literally, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing the Sahaba as they go in this 23-year period to make mistakes. Sometimes he reveals ayahs before the mistake. Sometimes he reveals it after. Mm. And so they literally don't know what to do. And so they're asking the prophet sometimes, what do we do in this situation? Okay, is this revelation? Okay, it's not. Okay, this is what I think. And then sometimes Allah reveals it afterwards. And the classroom part, so most of their life was an in a life internship. And the, and the actual learning, the actual rules was a much smaller part of mm. growing faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I think today we think we can just grow our faith by learning in the classroom. Yeah, well, I don't even think the classroom even teaches us a growing faith. I think we think we have it. You know, <laughs> I don't even think there's any <laughs> growth involved, you know, right. because we like, you know, one of the things I learned from my own pain of, you know, almost leaving Islam and I was being safe and do, I mean, I should have been a person who should have been a super scholar or a super, I don't know what the word would be. I don't know, super saint. I don't know what the word is because I was doing all everything. the things. You're doing I everything, was doing right? everything, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. But then I end up almost losing my faith and Allah knows best, you know, what was happening. Um, but what we have is we've created, like, I will have to say that there's part of it is life. Mm -hmm. that you have to learn, but there's part of it is actually happening in the classes themselves. We're taught very harmful concepts. Like for example, the reason that I could not allow my daughter uh, to be herself, the reason that I ended up hurting my daughter at that time in my life was because I didn't learn nuance. Mm -hmm. You know, music was haram and that was it. Mm -hmm. And the people who said it was allowed were people who were westernized, people who were trying to change the religion. They were people who 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 wanted to to make sex allowed and mm -hmm. and and sex with same sex allowed. They were people who were they they would make all these analogies about people. So basically, even though I never consciously felt like I believed that, I actually internalized some of that. Like people who do music or listen to music are bad people. I never thought that consciously, but that's what you're taught. So there's absolutely no nuance. So like you talked about earlier, how the way we're trained, we can hear something in the media and think it's like the biggest thing because it's in the media. The same thing with books and classes. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that mm -hmm. traveling really does to you is open up your eyes to how small your world was before. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because in, in, in the re what helped me get through a lot of this was, is, was actually traveling because in some areas, the way that we you know, there's, a, there's a culture of anti music extremism right. in a lot of right. the religious cultures. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's, um, there's the, and when I say anti music extremism, we talked about this last time, this is different from the point of view that music is haram. And the, and the opposite end is, um, the the pro music extremism where people turn music into an act of worship and you have to do it and this is the way you get close to a lie you know so there are two sides to the, the of the spectrum but the reason I'm mentioning this in this particular in this particular um, context is because we the same thing that happens with the media with showing what's in the headlines and we begin to talk about it we've done this with certain things like for some areas it's music. Some areas it's niqab. Uh, some area, some areas it's how, how what color your abaya is. Some areas is the man's thobe above the ankle. So people fixate on certain things, and then we judge people as good or bad Muslims based on that. And we even have turned, like for example, we today with some religious settings, we actually are changing the religion. Like for example, some people literally believe it's a part of our faith to believe that a person who listens to music cannot love Allah. Right. 
they can't have Quran in their heart. And it's right. like aqeedah to them. Right. It's like a sixth pillar of Islam. Right, right, right. You cannot, you know, have because some scholar from a t- long time ago said something once upon a time, and now it's a part of our deen. So what ends up happening is that we have this, this lack of nuance. And it's not just that you're not growing faith. It's actually in the way we're learning in some contexts, it begins to harm our faith. Okay. Books and classes have their place when you're learning authentic Islam, when you're not sitting around pontificating about what people should be doing or should not be doing, doubtful matters and all that kind of stuff. You know, and one, I will say one thing that I see as a red flag today based upon my own learning is any class that wants to teach doubtful matters that's suspect because there is no definitive category of of doubtful Mm. matters in Islam. Okay, that's a whole separate topic. But but the fact that we go into it, like, for example, you will find many women mm-hmm. who drop out of school, who leave their education, and they feel like they're doing this for the sake of Allah. Mm-hmm. They stop doing pursuing their career. And I'm not talking about things that someone gave up for the sake of Allah because they chose to for their own for their own um, life. Okay. We've been guilted into doing these sorts of things because of this idea that, you know, the, the things that we're taught in these books and classes, and because we're not taught the human being, I can go home and harm my daughter. I can go home and harm my husband. I can go home and harm my wife. You know, in some settings, like for example, you have different extremism, like with the music, for example, and some cat, some groups, music is like worship, you know, and then some groups, um, not, um, Music is like shirk. Yeah, it's shirk. Yes. So one is mu- one is worship, one is shirk, and there and these people are like. Look, for example, I would say that, and I'll mention a current event that just happened. There was a, a, a can I say the thing? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was a Dean Squad video where they're talking about the Haram police, and I don't use that term, but the principle of it, you know, because I know they're Haram police and they're the pro Haram police, as I call it, where you have both extremes too. But there's a real thing happening where people are committing, feel depressed and want to commit suicide. But instead of listening to the message, people were on there calling names and stuff like that. Because what we've learned in our books and classes is that anyone who does music, they don't have the rights of the Muslim. They don't, they actually are to be treated worse than someone who does shirk. And so these are the types of things we're taught, you know, um, and so on, like, and then things that affect our marriages, like sometimes a person will be in a part of a book in a class. And for example, a husband will learn, like, depending on what part, um, what part of uh, the culture he's learning from, he will learn, it's your right to get another wife and she has to accept it. And that's the end of it. So if his wife doesn't accept it, she's a bad Muslim and he will threaten her and try to emotionally manipulate her until she accepts this particular thing for herself. But not understanding that you can choose it, but she doesn't have to choose it. And, all, and then another class will teach you that the good one, the good man will never do that. So if, if my husband wants to do that, then I have to go and control him and I have to di- threaten divorce, taking away the kids. And I'm going to get a sheikh to talk to him and to, to control his life. So we, we don't deal with the human being. Everything is a decision in, in a, like, like you said, empirical evidence. Mm-hmm. Good wives accept polygamy. Good husbands never do it. Mm-hmm. And so then we we take that script, okay? We we take that script and we go and tear apart our families. Yeah. And when I say that, I'm not talking about divorce. I'm talking about emotionally. Mm-hmm. We emotionally traumatize our wives. We emotionally traumatize our husbands. We traumatize our kids. And here's the tragedy. Men and women who are in this zone, they don't even care about their children. 
Okay. The children become the pawn. I'm going to go and say bad things about mommy. I'm going to go say bad things about daddy. I'm going to take these kids away from you. And when we get into this mode, okay, when we get into this mode, we become very selfish. So understand that when you're learning scripts, whether it's research from the, um, the, the Western society of saying, oh, there are too many people on the planet, so we need to, to get rid of people. <laughs> right. <Okay? laughs> right. Or if, if, if you're, you're learning in a class, oh, people who mu- do music don't love Allah. My father doesn't love Allah. My mother doesn't love Allah. <laughs> it's like, my children don't love Allah. You know, uh, good men never do polygamy. My husband's a bad man. <laughs> good wives accept polygamy. My wife is a bad, bad woman. Right. You are ruining your life. Okay. Yeah. You, you know, are ruining your life and the yeah. lives of others because healing is soul centered. Right. Okay. You don't seek to control other people and you have to let everyone walk their path. Yes. As, as one of the commoners said, I think it's Isra. Mm. Isra. Yeah. Saying that's why Islam is the middle path. Yes. Okay. So, yes. And, and people do use that. Yeah. I'm um, saying this. Uh, Hannah saying it sounds like a lot of judgment is going on. Everyone's just mind their business. Islam is in the Quran and Sunnah. There are no intermediaries. I agree. And this is the, and, but you know what happens to people is that even in people's private lives and marriages, husbands use Quran and Sunnah as a weapon. The wives use the Quran and Sunnah as a weapon, <laughs> you know, and we, we tend to understand mind our business sometimes when it comes to other people, but we don't even understand it when it comes to our own private lives with our children. Cause there are limits. Our children, we have a responsibility for them, but they're, they don't, we don't own them. Our husbands, we have, they have a certain responsibility toward us, but they have a responsibility to them souls first. And the same thing with wives. Your, your wife, you know, has rights over you, but she has her own soul. And so what happens as a result of this toxic, um, uh, suppression and arrogance that we have where I define myself in a certain way? I would never, I would never. And, and so we don't look at ourselves. We like, for example, many women in the West, you know, who are married to pretty decent men, they don't sit around and ask themselves, am I harming my husband? Am I emotionally manipulating and abusing my husband? Because we live in a culture that tells us that the world revolves around us. If we, we're in a good marriage, he needs to do whatever we want. And if he tries to do anything different from what I want, then that's the end of it. So we don't know how to exist outside of our own world. And this happens because of the things we're taught. And by the way, the things we latch onto in books and classes, because it's selfish, it meets our needs. It meets what we want. Okay. Because when those books and classes are actually, um, telling us what we want to hear, we latch onto it and run with it. You know, you know, we want to control people who do music. So we're, ah, they don't, they don't even have love of a law in their heart. So I can go because you, something's wrong with you. If you get pleasure out of harming people. And then something's wrong with you. If you need to control your children, if your children can't have a different opinion from you, if your husband can't live a life separate from you, if your wife can't live a life separate from you, these are signs that you're not dealing with yourself. Thank you for listening. Part two of lessons I've learned from the people I've heard will be available Tuesday.